And now, the Sleephawk Worldwide Podcast. Here are your hosts, Brandon Staten and Tyler Hansbro. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sleephawk Worldwide Podcast. I'm your host, Sleep Dog, alongside the Big Hawk. What's up, everybody? We just got done here. It's uh, Wednesday, I think. Just got done watching the uh, disappointing ending for the Tar Heels in the, um, what is it? The Maui Invitational in Asheville. And uh, Tar Heels lose to Texas last second shot. And basically what I took away from watching them is that Bill Walton has no fucking idea what he's talking about. Bill Walton is all over the place. Um, At one point... uh, you know, when they talked, uh, they mentioned my name a few few times, and I heard uh, Bill Walton said he has a nose. Somebody said he has a nose for the ball, and Bill Walton said, "You have a big nose," and you know, you just never know what <laughs> Bill Walton, what rabbit hole he's going to go down to. But I laugh at a lot of his stuff. I know he's kind of out there, but I enjoy listening to him. I mean, at first I was like, "This guy smoked all the weed in Nashville, all of it, and eating all the mushrooms." And then I realized he's sitting at his house. The whole time wasn't even in Asheville. He kept talking about how he was in Asheville. It was like super weird. I think he's terrible. Um, I was thinking to myself, you know, when we're sort of going through this and trying to figure out whether this podcast is any good or not. I was like, this dude should start a podcast and just upload every episode into outer space because I mean, he doesn't give a shit who's listening or if he makes any sense whatsoever. The other part is uh, uh, earlier in the week when he was talking about asking what Joel Berry was doing and asking if he was working at Ben and Jerry's. It was just like, dude, where's this guy going with this? It was uh this guy's just strange, man. I don't get it. Did you know Luke Walton? Uh, no, I never. Well, I've met him a few times. I don't know him, but uh, I actually think I played against him in the NBA. Um, but no, Walton's, I mean, he's out there, but, uh, you know, sometimes he can go down a rabbit hole, but sometimes he actually has some good points, and uh, he does have a basketball IQ, but it's hard to drown out all the other stuff that he actually it. talks about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I think he would be uh, he'd be more in his element as a guest on uh, the Sleephawk, as a member of Sleephawk Nation. But uh, anyway, nonetheless, what we were able to see was the Tar Heels, uh, you know, in some competitive environments it was still seems super awkward just everything about the season and 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 the way that the tournament was run and all that sort of stuff teddy valentine i hate that guy too but uh you know i guess uh what was your takeaway as a you know from a basketball perspective in how the how the heels looked in Asheville? um i thought they played um they had their moments uh obviously when you go into a tournament like that you expect to win anything other than uh winning the whole um the whole tournament's uh, pretty much a failure. But um, with this team and with our young guys, um, I think we have a lot to look forward to. And I think one thing that I took away from this is Dayron Sharp's going to be really good for he us. He looks great. He, he is athletic. He can run. He can do a lot. And I like the chemistry that he's building with Garrison. I think they play well together. I think we have a lot of great freshmen. R.J. Davis is really good. I'm really looking forward to him play. I don't think Caleb played to his potential. I think he's going to be a very good player and really help us. But I don't think he had the best tournament for himself. <clears throat> but, you know, it takes a while for freshmen. This is our first first true road games. And, you know, there's some quality teams that we played. Stanford's very good. And I tell you what, I was very impressed with Texas. 
Yeah, I mean, I look, you never want to see us lose. Uh, you never want to lose a tournament. You always want to win. But, you know, this is one of those games. It's just, I, it seems like to me, I'm like, does any team in the country get beat on a buzzer beater more than we do, it seems? Um, and, you know, but this is one of those games. You're down 16. You know, you kind of, you, like, especially sort of after enduring what we went through last year, you pretty much just, you know, you're just chalking it up at that point. You're like, this game's over, right? And we were down against uh, Stanford, you know, pretty pretty substantially at one point. I think nine in the second half. And so it's just good to see us sort of overcome some of that adversity. And the kids look kind of poised, you know. They, they, I didn't see a lot of panic. And so there's a couple of bad shots. Like late, I think it was uh, maybe Davis took, you know, he got the, got the defender off his feet at the three-point line. And instead of like driving to the basket, he pulled up with about, you know, a little less than a minute and fired an air ball from about – what what is the what is it twenty feet or something? So, but those are just mistakes you make and expect to make when you're young. And then at the same time, you know, I I, I picked up on you know some really quality possessions at times, and I was like, wow, these guys are, um, you know, they uh they 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 have it together in some some instances. So, and it's and it's hard for me, especially you you obviously know this way better than I do, but to gauge sort of the ebb and flow of the game in just a like such a sanitary sort of environment. I mean, it's so weird to me. These guys are essentially paying pickup games with referees there, you know, and it's just like, I, I, I definitely still, I, you're never going to convince me that the fans not being there isn't like just a disadvantage to the whole sort of chemistry of the entire game. Yeah, no question, uh, especially in North Carolina. Obviously, if it wasn't for COVID, this would be played in, in Maui, but uh the atmosphere makes a big difference. It almost feels like a practice. Um, but I will say the sign of a young team to me is, you know, they have these big spurts, like they'll be down big, then they'll go up big. And once they start gelling, they start to finish those games. And I think that's what more experienced veteran teams do is they find a way to win. But they also they don't have these big lead uh, swings where they're down. I think it was – I'm not sure what they were down against Stanford, but it looked like maybe – Oh, and 16 or something at some point they were down big. And that's a sign of a young team is you got to come out there and be ready from the start. I mean, we're good. We're a good basketball team, but we're not good enough just to turn it off. Yeah. And that was the other thing. I think, I think the first game, UNLV, we were down 13 nothing to start the game. And then I think I didn't catch, you know, the largest deficit against Stanford, but I think we were down nine in the second half. And then tonight, I think we we're down at six, 16 at one point. And, and to your point, yeah, you see, we're, we've been discussing the same thing in football. It's like you dig yourself a hole and you keep getting out of it. That's that's great, but like you got to like putting teams away is not just like you know uh, an end of the game thing. It's like man, you gotta you you gotta put them away when you have a chance to, and in order to put them away, you gotta like <laughs> show up for the tip, you know. So I, I, I'm I'm encouraged. I mean, it's again sort of the measuring stick is is in a weird place for us right now because you're measuring against the awful season we had last year but then also you got to remember that like this is North Carolina man we expect to win every game we 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 play and so um you know just being a little bit realistic i i'm i'm pretty pleased with what we've seen so far yeah i'm pleased um you know i think we got a young team we got a lot of kids still trying to learn how to play with each other and get the team chemistry where we're at i think also coach is kind of dealing with some lineups and let's not forget that some of these guys um, have been in, dealing with some injuries and really haven't got 
consistent minutes. And so I would say they're young in that aspect from experience. You look at Leakey, and I think Leakey's got a big-time potential. He's got size. He can lock somebody down defensively. He's got a lot of potential. But his playing time has been inconsistent due to injuries and other things. And I think once he starts playing consistently and gets his confidence up, I think that's going to be somebody that can really help us too with the freshman. Did you watch? I did not. But did you watch any of the Duke and Michigan State game? Didn't watch a minute of it. Um, no, I didn't. But I was glad with the outcome. Yeah, that makes two of us. I didn't realize that that, that Michigan State had never won at Cameron, and uh, I mean they've only played there three times. But anytime those guys lose, I mean I'm really happy about it. Um, you know, I guess what's next? I saw the Elon game. Uh, they've canceled that. What What do we got? You know, what's your what's your rising for? You know, us coming out of this, like, what do you expect to see from us in the next, you know, uh, you know, month or so as we lead up to ACC? A month or so, you know, obviously this is a time, this kind of awkward time, even without COVID, as you got um, before ACC tournament play starts, you kind of have this holiday gap where you're kind of playing these teams and you're also kind of wanting to go back home for Christmas, trying to schedule things. You're not really classes and in session, I think, around this time. It's a fall break, whatever break it is. And, uh, you know, this is a this is a tough time, but this is a big uh, growing uh, opportunity for our team. I think practicing and scrimmaging and get up and down for some of these young guys and kind of get building team chemistry before the ACC tournament uh, or ACC um, conference play starts. I think that's going to be big. And also, once this you know conference play starts. You just can't come out here and have bad starts. You'll pay for that. I don't care who you play in the ACC. If you don't come out and play, you're going to lose. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um, you know how they how they take. I'm, I'm almost. I, I I never like to see us lose, but I'm almost glad to see us lose now. We lost against a good team. You know, this isn't something that's really going to tarnish our you know our season or anything like that. Uh, Shaka Smart's great coach. I you know I was impressed. I thought Texas was a good team. Uh, the kid that hit the, the shot at the end of the game seems like a great player. As 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 teams are prone to do when they play us, their best player plays well, and that guy definitely did. And you got You got to hand it to him. Um, you know, he kept hitting that step back, and you can't really guard that shot. It's pretty interesting to see how that that play has evolved but you know they didn't blow my mind like I didn't I didn't think that I was like wow these guys are just really good it was a weird game like I just felt like you know no team was ever in control of the tempo uh much at all and um but in the end you know you kind of lose that game it sucks especially lose that way but you kind of feel like hey we were in this game the whole time and and once we mature a little bit we'll start finding ways to pull these out yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, we're going to grow, and I think that's the main thing for this team is a lot of young guys, and we'll learn from this. Learn from your losses, and you move on. As long as you don't have a hangover effect, it can be really good for us. I tell you uh, another battle that was, that was uh, you know, pretty epic one, uh, speaking of youth and experience, was uh, the battle between my man uh, – L, what's his name? Uh, and and Bennett, who's the dude on the Bachelor? Noah. The young Noah, it's Noah, Noah the young and Bennett. Oh, wow, young I mean the Tar Heels versus the damn Harlem Globetrotters. Uh, damn, I don't even know what to call this Bennett guy. So here's what we did. I mean, we we made the promise last episode that we were gonna just you know we were gonna dive in, we we're gonna study the game, the film, you know, we we're gonna take notes, and that's what we've done. And we got a litany of notes. So all you ladies out there, I know there's. A, a billion of you uh, tuned in here. Um, man, 
lot to unpack here from the last couple of weeks of the Bachelorette. Yeah, I mean, it's heavy stuff. I mean, uh, you know, I don't know what direction Tasha's going with. I don't really think she has the chemistry with that one person that you're just sitting there and saying that's love. You know, when I look at it from like, no, it's not love. But, you know, with Noah, you know, this little pimp squeak, uh, this guy's, I mean, yeah, I'm surprised this guy's not eating baby food right now. But the, the other guy, I don't know whether he's from Harvard. Um, but when they had the blindfold thing and Noah called him out and he said, how do you spell privileged? And you know, old Harvard sat there and he said, I'm the farthest thing from privilege. And I said, you know what? That guy's right. He went to Harvard. He came up and went to Harvard through all his, you know, talk about a zero to hundred started from the bottom, made it to the top Drake type situation. I mean, this guy, that is the farthest thing from privilege. I mean, <laughs> you notice he never, he never actually spelled privilege. Um, so, I mean, maybe my man, what is his name? Noah. Maybe he had a point. I mean, here's what I got going on here is, you know, when I started this thing, I, I kind of made the point. I was like, look, I realized Claire is crazy. Um, but I thought she was hot. And like, now, like what I'm seeing out of, out of Tayshawn here is that, uh, I mean, she's gaining on Claire in the crazy category. And here, here, here's my breakdown of, uh, of why. And then, you know, a little deeper into the strategy that she employed when, uh, two episodes ago when Noah basically made the call out on everybody, right? He, he went to her and like, I can't remember what the hell this is. I'm so stupid. I can't believe we even talked about this, but it is kind of like a car wreck. So, He's in there and he's like telling her how much he loves her and all this stuff and like how uh, how all these other guys were questioning her integrity, right? And remember, dude, we were all – so we get together in this group. Uh, I, mean, I shouldn't even admit this, but this is what it is. It's true. We come come straight from the straight from the top. Like got about 12 of us. Small group. Sit, yeah, no, by, it isn't 12. Uh, it's six, Cooper. yeah. Yeah, we got uh, Cooper's uh, orders and mask, everything. Yeah, social absolutely. All that and that stuff. is true. Don't worry so, about that. Yeah, we're sitting around watching this shit and like we got the group together and then Noah goes out, does his thing and, and everybody's like, oh, all the girls are into it, all the guys laughing. Um, and then she comes out and just like – calls out all the dudes in the room, right? Um, but she does it in a way that she knew that by doing that, she was going to expose this dude for for tattletelling on him, right? And so um I was kind of kind of proud of my my catch there because like that's what happened and it worked and all that sort of stuff. And then everybody, because of course she leaves and all like whatever, 80 dudes turn around, and they start looking at this guy. He's like got his hands in his pockets like he's like he got caught. Um and uh, so she did that, and then she did the other thing with um, where she put them both in the room in this last episode. Mm-hmm. And uh, man, I don't know, man. She's just mm, a couple of those uh, deep, man. But who? Uh, great skincare routine, as we also discussed. Great skin. I will Wallace. tell you, she, yeah, she's. I don't know what she's doing, but I need to get that. Um, um, and we'll see what happens. But also, I think Noah. Hey, you played yourself, bud. Uh, Try to go behind everybody's back into a little sob story. Now, nah, Tasha, don't play that. She came out and put you on Front Street, and that's what you deserve. And uh, <laughs> hopefully, old Harvard Education comes out there. And you know, I'm I'm gonna be interested to see what where that uh, how that relationship evolves. So, so leave us to be continued. And this is like the first thing I think we've ever done where we recorded it. And I know that this will be on. It'll be live before next Tuesday when the whole to be continued thing is continued. And so it's down to her picking between Bennett, this dickhead, and Elliot, this little uh, this moron, right? There's two. Wow, what a what a what a what a pair to select from. But apparently, one of them's going home, and I think it's going to be the Noah dude. Even though, like, 
everybody's money, I think, is on his Bennett because he's like obvious prick. ABC is going to keep that guy around just because like he brings the drama, which is what it's all about. I think no one's gone. I mean, I think uh, Bennett's gone. Uh, no way, dude. Yeah, I think Noah and her have a slight connection, and I don't think she's ready to let Noah go. She wants to explore that. I think Bennett, I mean, came, when they put the blindfold on, Bennett made a move, and I sat there, and I was like, you know, me, you look right at me. He's like, whoa, what, what in the hell is that? <laughs> I said, the old, the old blindfold. I haven't used that trick in a while. Yeah. Um, wow. I, that uh, that, that might have been – um. Might have been a little crossing the line, old Harvey Weinstein looking. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and then the other thing is uh, the other dude that was uh, the other funniest part of it to me was when they did the wedding pictures. Like, I really wish we had some women like on the show that we could toss this one over to. But like the idea of a date, and they went. This is where I was like, man, she's scaling up to crazy. So they're doing this wedding thing, and the photographer, man, that dude was out there. And then this dude Ben, I that was that was my other big call. Is I was like, as soon as I saw that he was an addiction counselor, I was like, that's because that dude's been an addict at some point. And this is before, like we should have live streamed this because sure enough, they get one of these, like I'm about to cry sessions on TV. And the guy like just dives into how he's addicted to drugs and all this sort of stuff. And I'm just sitting there kind of beating my chest. Like, man, I told y'all. Uh, and then, you know, he, he, he goes out, he dresses like a half gallon of milk. And then he looks like he's Aladdin got rubbed on the lamp, popped out. And just, I mean, it was just weird, man. Yeah. And then they're laying around on a dirty ass trampoline and these, and the picks were horrible. Like yeah. I never really understood yeah. what the fuck was yeah. going on. When I watched that scene, I was like, "Why in the hell is Cam taking pictures?" And they zoomed up. And I was like, "Oh shit, that's not Cam." But uh, yeah, it was a it was a weird scene. Um, and this guy's uh, clearly got some addiction problems that he brought to the surface. And uh, well, I think we're going to expose him because I don't think he's got an eating disorder. I think that was another thing, man. We think he, that's where he, he like he felt that the the addiction thing was working, and then he came back later and was like, "I had an eating disorder." And there's more. And like apparently they tease the next episode where he's got some more shit that he's gonna reveal. Was that the same guy, eating disorder and addiction? No, actually, now that I think of it, it was uh Buzz Lightyear, the army guy. Yeah. Remember uh-huh. Dan said this guy looks like Buzz our buddy Dan said uh he about three bottles to the wind a couple uh, episodes ago and was fi- trying to talking all night about how he reminded of somebody and <laughs> about five minutes ago in the episode he's like i figured it out and he shows us all a picture of buzz lightyear and his spot on, spot on the dude that was in the army apparently had an eating disorder um and then um the other thing is dude this girl kisses everybody like, could you imagine if your daughter was on this show or your whatever, your sister or something or, or your son and it was the other way? I mean, dude, it's like, I don't understand how you can handle it, man. She just makes out with everybody. Yeah. And I noticed that. Um, I mean, maybe that happens that, every that year because I don't like, ever watch this. This is new territory for yeah, me. So but. I watch this with my mom. I've been watching. I've been a bachelor nation uh, for a while and uh, <laughs> probably have to see a counselor about it at some point. But I will say... Um, they kiss a lot and they kiss right after each other. And I'm like, Lord hey, man, mercy. We're in the middle of a pandemic oh, here. Yeah. Pandemic, COVID situation. And there's a mono pandemic by the time we get done with this. Yeah. I mean, is I mean, good God. But uh, 
I tell you what, I think Tasha looks better than Claire. That's what a lot of people say, man. I don't even remember what Claire looks like anymore. I've been so stuck on the current uh, situation. I'd imagine at this point, Claire's been off the show for, what, three weeks now? She's got to be married with two kids. Uh, that's just how the show works and, and well on her way to a divorce because I don't know that any of them ever uh, – wasn't like Kelly Clarkson or one of these singers on this show one time? Like, I don't know, man. This stuff is – like I said, man, we're here for the we're, – we're here for Sleephawk Nation. Um, I can't believe – you know, to be quite honest with all of you, you need to get help if you enjoy watching this shit because it's it's awful. Um, Tyler, that, that goes for you too, man. Um, <laughs> I mean, I've done a lot of things in my life for a woman, including watching this, uh, which is you know kind of my current situation. But whew, I feel like I need a shower every time I take this shit, turn this shit off, and drive home. Yeah, I'll agree with that. And uh, one thing I think the Bachelor. I think what they're not doing is they're not giving us closure with the Claire and Dell. I wish they would do a drop in and let us know what's going on. Are they together? Just where are they now? Yeah, Just where are they? Three now? weeks later, where are they now? Yeah, yeah. hey, we're here <laughs> and would love to see it. Would love to catch up. I've got a few questions for them. Uh, I'll be in bachelor after this. <laughs> they did the last thing I'm going to say about it, man. They took that dude in the ghost house, man, and they did him dirty, man. They brought him out there and just like, just strung him out right on. I mean, we knew that was the ugliest dude on the show. I mean, there was no question he was going home. Not he seemed cool as shit, but man, I've seen a bag of pine mulch look better than that guy. And it, I mean, let's not even get into his uh, his his hair, man. But yeah, he was done for. But they drug him to that ghost house first, and then she acted like she liked him, and she knew the whole time. He said he loved her. Yeah, what a simp. And here's yeah, he was simping hard. Mm. And the thing about it is, we all saw him. Getting dismissed as soon as possible. I think she did him a favor by getting sending him home and ending, ending the misery for him because I can only t- imagine what the public beating he's going to take when he gets back and he kicks it with his friends. I mean, first of all, buddy, when hey, take it on home, cut the hair off, it's gone. <laughs> uh, you're not winning that battle. Um, I don't care how long you blow dry that thing or how long you grow it out. The hairline, once it starts hitting the back of the head, just go ahead, bring that thing on home. And I will say uh, your connection wasn't there. Make a move, buddy. You quit selling. It's like he fell in love instantly. He gets a one-on-one and he just says, he can't wait to say I love you. Build a connection, then say I love you. I mean, hell, I, we, we, everyone saw her, saw her saying, Hey, bud, uh, See ya. Bro, I've been ghosted more times than fucking M. Night Shyamalan, and I I couldn't get just drug my shit, just drug out in the street like that guy did. I can't believe, it, you know, I mean, that, it was fucked up what they did to that dude, man. They put him out there, and he's like, oh, you know, I mean, he brought it on himself. Like, you can't be out there. I almost feel like he's like, hey, make sure you go when you sit down here, you know, look at her and start crying and tell her you love her, and then we're going to ruin your fucking life. I mean, it was just like, dude, this guy got hammered. Um, on the uh on the uh just and then they put him in the SUV and we're like later I mean like where the hell did his clothes even go like did he even get to go home and get his shit because everybody I don't think anybody ever saw him again no and I wouldn't mind if if that happened I never heard of him again <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't mind if I was on the show if you gonna kick me off man I don't want to see anybody just get me out of here take me to the airport put me on a plane and fly me across the country through a through a thunderstorm which is a great segue to this is a true story okay like i have been waiting for this probably should have led with this so a little background man i I had to go uh do something today get like my car take it in the shop get a service and i had to get an uber back to where i need to be and i'm in the um 
I'm in the Uber, you know, making small talk with some guy. He's from Chapel Hill, man, and he's a cool dude, super nice. And I like, start saying, all this, you know, asking all these questions about yada yada yada. I told him about the podcast. I mean, I was like, dude, millions of people tune in every week, man. I'm looking for a listener anywhere I can get one. So I'm feeling like this guy's, this guy's in. So I'm telling him, I'm like, yeah, I do a, t- a podcast talk, hands, bro. And, uh, you know, you lo- and a lot of times what will happen is we sort of like mention that they'll sort of go into this experience they had with Tyler, you know, forget the fuck about me anymore. And now I care about is Tyler. Uh, but uh, so he's telling me this story about how his wife knows the bus driver and that Roy Williams would only let this guy ride the bus, drive the bus. As long as they're in the United States, he was a bus driver no matter where they went. So some of this stuff I'm going to confirm with Tom. I'll hand it over to him in a second to tell the story. But from my perspective, I'm like, okay, you know, grain of salt. And uh, he tells me this story. He says, um, he says uh, one time they were playing at Georgia Tech basketball. And after the game, he said Tyler was afraid of flying. And he told the coach that – it was like a storm or something, and he told the coach that he wanted to take the bus home. You know, remember, he knows the bus driver. And so I'm thinking, it's a funny story, but I'm kind of like, dude, this is a little bit of a stretch. So I, I'm, I'm in the car, text Tyler. I'm like, no, dude, this guy's telling me that one time, instead of flying home from Georgia, which is like an hour, uh, you took a bus instead by yourself, which is like seven hours because you didn't want to fly. And Tyler texted me back and was like, yes, that's the true story. And I was like, this has got to be on the podcast. So rather than me butcher it because I wasn't there, dude. Please tell me this is this is this is too good to pass up. So this is the true story, and the bus driver, his name was Dave. Um, he's no longer with us. He was one of the best dudes, uh, nicest guy. Um, but that is true. Um, and he drove us everywhere. I mean, if we're in Boston College, we land. There's Dave, <clears throat> and this guy literally. I mean, he was a great driver. I mean, parallel park a bus into, you know, <laughs> whatever. And he could drive. So, you know, Coach Williams, you know, he's superstitious. Had a lot. Of, never. He was always on time. Everything. He was flawless. All this jives 100% with Rodney was my driver. Rodney, you said you were listening. I told you where to find this. If you're out there, man, this is a great story. And this jives 100% with what Rodney was saying. Yep. And Dave Dave was great. And uh, we were playing in Georgia Tech. We get there. I have I, In college, I had an extreme anxiety about flying. Later, I've got some help. I'm over it. But... Um, you know, if it was some wind out, I'd always go talk to the pilot and I'd be like, hey, what's the flight going to be? Oh, it's going to be a little bumpy. Uh, you'll be fine. Buckle up. But then we'll hit some smooth spots and we'll get there. Well, this was a 40 mile an hour wind night. Uh, tornado warnings everywhere. You guys might remember this is a night where a uh, baseball team's bus flipped over in Atlanta. And <laughs> I remember after the game, we just got our ass beat by Georgia Tech and I'm in line. And the, I see the pilot out front, and I'm like, hey, man, how's this flight going to be? He said, you better buckle up tonight. <laughs> Instantly, my mind starts racing. I was like, that's the worst thing you could possibly tell me. I was like, oh, yeah? And he's like, it's going to be a rough one. And I said, well, we're going to get there fine. And he said, don't put my life in your hands. Don't put your life in my hands. And as soon as he said that, there was no way I was getting on that damn plane. <laughs> I walked back and I said, Coach, man, I'm sorry, I can't do it. And he said, he said, son, you can take the bus. He shook his head and uh, calmed me down. And I got on that bus and there was Dave smiling. He said, oh, I'll get you there. 
And he looked at me and he said, what, you want to hear some blues or something? And I said, yeah, put whatever you want to play, Dave. He said, yeah, I got some good blues. And we listened to country the whole way there. (laughs) The same, it must have been seven songs (laughs) over and over again. And by the time we got there, I knew every one of all those songs. But I tell you what, we got there and uh, we had practice the next day. I was tired as hell. Um, That is a true story. And I will tell you this, Mike Copeland flew up on that plane flight. It's about an hour flight, um, give or take, but it was a, a roller coaster the whole way to Chapel Hill. And I talked to everybody on that flight. I even think uh <laughs> there were some issues with some people. I you know, Mike wasn't the only one that th- that threw up on that plane. But there was that was the roughest flight that they have ever been on to date. I remember seeing uh, something about that in the news where those guys had been on a flight that was so bad, like the turbulence and everything. I just never, you know, put two and two together. But to this guy's credit, man, he was, it was so funny, man, to hear him tell it. And, uh, and then when I, you know, cause I was like, God, I hope this is a true story. And it was, and it was just hilarious. Dude, I've been, I mean, I never, when I first started working, man, I would fly a lot and I was never a big fan, but um, I got so hung over in Kansas city one time. I got on one of those bad boys, you know, flying over through those like Midwest thunderstorms that they can't go around. They just like try to dodge the one where they see like lightning in it. And I was like, dude, we were on that thing bouncing like a trampoline. And I was, dude, if this guy buries this thing in the ground, I'll be fine with it because I'll, I'll be out of my misery. I think I was hung over like three days after that. But yeah, not a big fan myself of the turbulence. And you're right, man. You get on there and, you know, I, I, it's tough to say whether I appreciate or, or, or hate when the pilot's just honest with you. Like, hey, welcome to uh, Raleigh. Good morning. The weather is shitty and it's cold and windy. And uh, I'm your captain from the flight deck. Five hour flight over there, and uh, we'll be in touch soon. And it just never says anything. You're like, hey, dude, well, how you feeling, man? You 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 feel you get a lot good night's sleep last night? Like, what what, what can I expect here? And you pull that bitch up off the ground. You always got to look at the uh, the stewardess, right? And if she's got her shit together, you know, you're pretty much uh, or he, sorry, uh, you know, you're pretty all right. But occasionally, you know, when they sit down to strap in and start looking out the window, that's when you're like, hmm, might be the last. Uh, <laughs> That's bird all over flower. Yeah, I get a little nervous when they say, uh, everyone take your seats and put your seatbelt on. And that's it. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I want a little more clarity than that. I mean, what are we flying through? How long the seatbelt has to be on? 10 minutes? We're talking about the whole flight. What are we flying through? It's going to be smooth again. Um, my roughest flight happened to be in China a few years ago. We were flying through the mountains. And uh, there's this one team that's out pretty much in the middle of nowhere. Pretty much a... Uh, yeah, I think it's about a few hours from Afghanistan, actually. Um, it's way up there. Yeah, China's huge. And uh, we missed the runway three times. <laughs> and that thing was rocking and moving. And there was no checking in. And also, we're in China. Like, hey, they're not speaking English. <laughs> and I'm sitting there and I look over beside me and there's someone, this other person is just crying. And uh, I remember I was like, well, this is it. And I was like, damn, I didn't even get to talk to my family. And I was like, they're going to have to wake up to this shit. Damn. And I remember we landed, but I remember uh, <laughs> clearly we landed. But uh, <laughs> Obviously he landed. <laughs> but, uh, but during, I mean, after we missed the runway the, the third time, our European coach sits back and he goes, why are you nervous? And I said, well, I don't want to die. And he said, 
if we die, we die. And I said, well, yeah, that's Thanks, cool. Captain Obvious. And, how it works. Uh, he said, why would you get nervous? We have no control. And I was like, well. That's why I'm fucking nervous. Yeah, I just want to just want to see tomorrow and say I, I love my family or something like that. But we made it. I was nervous. Uh, the guy beside me didn't help me by profusely crying the whole time. But, <laughs> hey, I'm here now. <laughs> oh, man. Another, uh, you know, speaking of segue, man. I tell you who else had a crash landing uh, over the weekend was old uh, uh, Nate Robinson. Wow! I mean, I don't know how many of you watched the fight or how many of you have seen it. I don't like this J Jason Jake John Paul whatever his name is piece of shit. Uh, not a big fan of Nate Robinson, but you might know Nate. I don't. I didn't think about that. He got knocked the fuck out cold. It, yeah, and listen, I'm not a boxing expert, but hey, Nate, put your hands, cover your face, bud. Um, but also, I will say this. It looked, like he kept, it looked like he kept trying to touch the stove to see if it was hot until he just got knocked the hell out. Yeah, I mean, good guy. I mean, I don't know. Like, what in the hell? I mean, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what Nate was thinking, but clearly – um, hey, listen, don't, don't, don't change. Don't start, pl- don't stop playing basketball. I know you, you probably retired. Fighting, I don't think fighting's in the, uh, in the car. It is no more. Yeah. But, uh, one thing I will say is, uh, that Jake Paul guy, I mean, looks like he's had a fight under his belt and he's been training for years and, uh, just caught old Nate the wrong way. And old Nate felt like a sack of potatoes. <laughs> Oh, man, dude. And I tell you what, I started, you know, I'm obviously not a fan of the guy. This is something about this, like, social media, like, influencer type shit, right? And I went on his social media afterwards because I'm like, who is this guy, right? And, man, like, he's dating this girl, some other Instagram model who is a 44 out of 10. Um, He wears the dumbest looking shit I've ever seen. Um, And everybody loves him. It's like, dude, I I mean, I can't hate on it. If I were, uh, I guess if I were him. Maybe I just act the same way, I, you know. If you got it like that, you got it. But there's no doubt about it, dude. That was just, and the memes on the internet are just absolute, just gold of Nate Robinson just laying on the mat. I was worried for a minute, dude. I was like, I don't know if this guy's getting up. Yeah, yeah I was too. And before the fight, I was like, man, this might give me some street cred. Like people might be saying, hey, man, don't don't fuck with those NBA players. <laughs> And uh, yeah, that's uh, not, listen. I think Nick Young said, "Listen, guys, that's not a fair representation of these NBA guys. Uh, he's not going to be the uh, yeah. That that's not uh, that's not how we want to be looked at. Looked at. They were just trashing it, man. And look, I don't I don't really like Floyd Mayweather, um, but you know, boxing is weird. Like boxers boxers have to be you know a diff, they're a different, totally different breed. Um, but I'm not a Mayweather fan for whatever reason. Respect the guy and his talent, but I just I don't know, man. He's just done some questionable stuff. But the thing I thought was cool, and probably a lot of people probably didn't even see this, but man, he came in and was like basically rushing to Nate's defense in a way that I thought was cool, man. He was like, Hey, listen, this dude got in the ring, like, and, and all of you, you know, basketball players are dogging him and all this sort of stuff. You should be supporting the guy and whatnot. It was like, it was just kind of cool to see him be show a little compassion since it's such a different, uh, you know, different from his sort of normal, just asshole persona. But, um, I didn't watch the Tyson and Jones fight. Like a lot of people told me that, or, or I saw on the, on the web that, Everybody thought Tyson won, but I think everybody was just hoping Tyson would win. So you got to kind of take that with a grain of salt. I was definitely hoping he'd win. Um, but 
you said you saw yeah, the I fight. Yeah, the whole thing. Uh, and how did it go? Well, one thing I want to touch upon is that Jake Paul guy, after the match, did say, hey, I respect Nate coming out here. This isn't easy. Respect him for getting, you know, getting out here and trying to uh, – Trying to do this boxing thing, yeah. And then old Jake called old Conor McGregor. I out saw there. that. I yeah, said, hey, buddy, you better pump the brakes. <laughs> pump the brakes. Okay? Now I'll pay to see that shit. Yeah. Pump the brakes. Oh but, man. Uh, moving on to the Roy Jones Tyson. The one thing that I really like is I like to watch uh, great athletes at their sport. And even though these guys are old, they're they're not in the shape, their prime shape. <laughs> Roy Jones, I mean. That guy needs to get back into the gym. Um, but I will tell you one thing. They have hands and they have footwork. And it was amazing comparing watching that fight after we watched those two and to see the how big of a difference it is when you watch two people that have really know the sport, really studied it, have great hands and great footwork. And I literally, before the match, I thought, man, one of these old guys is going to kill themselves. Mm-hmm. But they knew how to move. Roy knew how to play defense to Tyson's haymakers. I think Roy had a little bit of length on him, so he kept them at bay and was able to guard him at. But Roy Jones has some of the fastest hands I've seen. And, I mean, he is a boxer. He's getting those points, those jabs. But Tyson, you know Tyson uh, is going for haymakers. And Tyson, anything Mike Tyson does is entertaining to me. I like. I've always liked following his career. Um, obviously he's had some up and downs, but I do think he has a good heart. And I've always thought he's, he's entertaining. I mean, even if he's a little crazy at his prime, people are going to tune in and watch Mike Tyson. I don't care what he does. Yeah. And I think, so I grew up in, you know, I was born in 83 and Tyson's heyday was like 86, 87, maybe eight. I don't you know. I don't know when it ended when he fought Buster Douglas and that was pretty much it. But like I was, I was, my dad was really young when I was a kid. Like, so I'm, I'm three, four, five, six, seven. My dad's like in his mid to late twenties. Right. And he was a big Tyson fan. My dad said the last bet on any sport he ever made was he bet on Mike Tyson and Buster Douglas. I think Buster Douglas was 60 to one underdog, maybe 41 underdog, knocked Tyson out. But I remember when I was a kid, this is actually a great story about Mike Tyson. So I got a Nintendo for a Christmas first NES Nintendo. Right. And this is like, I learned later when I got old enough to realize that my dad bought that shit for me so he could play it. Uh, and of course, like I'm at that age where I can't play any of these games. I fall off the cliff in Mario. Like we got the duck hunt and all that. But, but the Tice, Mike Tyson punch out came out, dude, we rode all over Southeast Virginia looking for this game. You couldn't find it anywhere. So we finally find it. You know, I'm just sitting on the couch, just watching my dad play this game for hours. I'm talking hours of playing this game. And the trick was back then, dude, it was impossible to be Mike Tyson. There was no fucking internet. There's no any way to figure out like how in the hell you're supposed to do this, right? So literally, it is just like insanity just sitting in front of it, just watching back. But the fact that my dad has even made it this far in the game, it was like a cheat code too that you could do. I don't remember how you figured that out. Like, what was it in the newspaper or something? I don't remember how you got access to it. But anyway... Play and play and play and play. He gets all the way to Tyson, and Tyson just knocks you the fuck out every time, right? And uh, so one day, I'll never forget this as long as it was a true story, man. I was in the first grade. It was one of those like, fondest memories of my childhood. You remember you're like in, in like elementary school, and they like, used to have these intercoms that they would come, and they'd be like, they beep into the class and they'd be like, Miss such and such, is Brandon in your class? Yeah, his mom's here to pick him up. Well, usually you had like to go to the doctor or something, so you knew they were coming. 
but I don't know if this happened to you, but occasionally you'd get that one call that you didn't know. Like something would happen and your parents had to come get you, whether you're going, you know, whether they got some errands to run or something or whatever. Some of you that are parents now might get this, but this was just one of those serendipitous days where I'm sitting in class, hating life, thing rings, it's a Friday, and the lady's like, my dad, I'm a mom, my dad is here to pick me up. I'm like, dude, this is great. I don't know what for, but I'm in because I'm out, right? Later. Um, so we leave, and we're sitting in the drive-thru of the bank, and I remember asking my dad, I was like, dude, my dad drives like a Ford Escort, you know, this is like 80 <laughs> nine or something and i'm like dad why you know what's going on like why did you pick me up from work he's like man i can't you got to promise me you won't tell your mom and i'm like dude anything you got me out of that place uh (laughs) and uh he looks me dead in the eyes and says i beat mike tyson and i mean i'm six years old bro i'm like what you know so he literally my dad picks me up from first grade takes me to like eat and stuff and then drives my ass home so i could watch him beat Mike Tyson in his game. And the trick was you had to dodge back and forth until he got tired. And then you had to use like the uppercut. You had to knock him out. Like you could, or no, maybe you had to knock him down. Yeah. You had to knock him down three times, but you could only knock him down with an uppercut. And he had to be tired first from, you had to dodge on him big ass punches. Right. And uh, dude, so I show up, I show up to school on Monday. I'm like, bro, my dad beat Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson punch out and all these kids like no he didn't I was like my dad could whip your ass because I watched him beat Mike Tyson Mike Tyson punch out and your dad sucks and my dad's cool so anyway it was like dude Mike Tyson was was kind of like an odd like figure for me like, I wouldn't say he's a hero or anything but I've always liked Mike Tyson really because of that and because like he was in his fucking heyday back then and the thing that I appreciate most about him now is how self-aware he is about his struggles, right? He's very, dude, he is like a really deep thinker. Um, He says a lot of things about a lot of really topical, important issues that are very like simple and subdued, but they make a lot of sense. And I just like his perspective on a lot of stuff. He's, 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 he's one of my favorite, you know, people to follow right now. Talk about an honest guy that has been through a lot and has grown into, um, you know, has, has learned from his mistakes and become, I would say a better person and really grown and been through a lot of things, but you're right, man. I mean, it is impressive who he is today. I think, you know, back in his prime, I don't think anybody would imagine Mike Tyson would be who he is Mm -hmm. today going off of what he's done in the past. And uh, yeah, I really respect that. I just could not imagine dude. And the thing about the fight, you know, I was I was I followed Mike Tyson on Instagram. I don't follow Roy Jones. I wasn't paying attention to what Roy Jones was doing. So all I'm seeing is one side of this for one. But Tyson is posting these training videos, and I'm like, dude, this guy's 54 years old, and he looks like a predator. Like he could just demolish anybody that gets in the ring. And then I did see pieces of the fight where he didn't look like that. You know, he looked old. Um, I mean, he still looked. I mean, he kicked my ass all day long. But like, it was it was definitely like. It was obvious to me that, you know, you know, he he was he had some age on him, you know. He still got it in him. Yeah. Uh, and I would say, yeah, it is impressive. I've seen all those videos. Every time I watch them, I'm like, man, I'm not I'm not messing with that guy. But uh yeah, for for that age and what he's done, that's really impressive. 
Yeah, he talked about getting back into it, and I hope he does because, you know, obviously that star is fading. Um, there's not a whole lot of time left for for those guys. But, <laughs> I mean, those guys, that was definitely the most uh, anticipated heavyweight fight in a long time. Uh, you know, Tyson Fury, I guess. There's some other guys out there that are pretty decent, but boxing just hasn't been the same for forever. And, you know, if all we've got to cling to is two 50-year-old dudes in the ring, then whatever, man. I'll take it because they're pretty, pretty fucking good. I would like to see Conor McGregor... Uh, and Mayweather again, but I don't think that's going to happen. But yeah, I mean, boxing's kind of a dying sport. I think UFC is kind of on the rise, but I really haven't gotten into it um, like some other people have. Yeah, I think I think Mayweather's done, and I think he's pretty smart to be done. Like Pacquiao, kind of kind of held on too long. I think McGregor, you know, I I don't know. Part of me is like, dude, get in the ring and beat that dude's ass, and then part of me is like, dude, just don't stoop down to that. You got you're you're a multi multi millionaire, and those guys are just like. I don't know, man. It's they retire more times than uh, I go to bed in a in a month. So it's just it's always weird to see, you know, who the hell's fighting. I don't even follow it anymore. It's like it's getting to be like baseball, which thank God isn't going on right now. Um, saw LeBron signed a eighty five year or eighty five million dollar two year deal today. They think Anthony Davis is going to uh, sign again with uh, L.A. They're going to win the championship pretty much uh, running away. Know. Yeah, they are, dude. I got the Nets. You got the Nets. I picked the Nets. I okay. think he's going to come back. I think Kyrie's going to gel. I think Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, 20. Dinwiddie's a great player. Dinwiddie's, I mean, he averaged 20 points last year. And they have DeAndre Jordan, who's a proven big. I think they can do a lot of things. I think that team is – uh, got a new coach, Steve Nash, high basketball IQ. Yeah. It's not a runaway. Giannis could get some help. Milwaukee could make a run. The East is pretty strong. Philly, we don't know what's going to happen with Embiid and Simmons, but if they start zelling, I think, you know. Did Doc go to Philly? Doc Rivers? Uh, I think Doc did go to Philly. Yeah. yeah, I'm looking forward to basketball. I think yeah. it's right around the corner of the NBA. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting NBA season, uh, especially, you know, LeBron's aging. AD has a history with injuries. Uh, you never know. And also the Clippers getting Serge Ibaka, um, an upgrade from Harold, in my opinion. I think that's going to be an interesting dynamic that you got to look at. Paul George, uh, Kawhi Leonard, and Serge Ibaka. See what they surround uh, – that core with yeah i mean it's you make a good point because that is definitely a linchpin like if davis goes down the whole dynamic of the lakers is is totally changed um you know he was healthy last year in this abbreviated season and they were kicking people's asses so he got sit a lot late in the games and uh you know it'll be i guess this will be kind of an abbreviated season too but um yeah, I mean it's going to be weird, just like the last one was, until they get some uh, some fans in the seats. But again, like I mean, I think it was a great product last year, and I think they handled everything so well that uh, that I'm excited to watch. Um, I'm getting hot in the daily fantasy, dude. I've won seventy five dollars in the last uh, three days. So Sleep Hawk Worldwide uh, Fantasy uh, uh, DraftKings League. If you're not in it, you're missing out. Just go on to DraftKings, SHWW, join the league. You don't have to play in the games that we post every week. All you got to do is just be in the league so that you know about them. Um, and the way things have been going, you got a really good chance of A, taking my money, and B, uh, watching our buddy Sheed get it. We're actually going to have Sheed. I, I'm really thinking about getting our boy Sheed on here and just having him do a lead pipe block because he's won like two or three of these things in a row. Really let it go to his head and shot us a uh, 
shot us his pick yesterday. And what? who was it? It was Western, Western Kentucky versus Louisville. It was an absolute blowout. <laughs> this guy dissected this game more than a scientist does global warming. And I was sitting there, and I was like, gee, at the end of the day, Louisville is Louisville, and Western Kentucky is Western Kentucky. And uh, he gave he gave us this long spill, but I'll give it to him. He's won a few things, and uh, I think he's earned a spot on here. He'll be uh, SHWW's version of Bill Walton. It'll be interesting. To yeah, what he says you ain't uh, lying. This guy's out there, uh, good friend of ours. I think he'll admit that. Uh, we got to get him uh, before yeah. nine p.m. Because after nine p.m., that guy is. We don't know what he's on, but uh, yeah, he'll be interesting. Yeah. So anyway, we got a lot of cool stuff coming your way. We're evaluating some uh, some help to make sure we get all this stuff straightened out on the sound and the. Um, the segments and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, we're up to like what? 72 fucking followers. So y'all get off your ass. Like start downloading these podcasts. This shit's great. You know it. We know it. Everybody knows it. Um, we're, you know, we're scaling this thing up a little bit. So let us know what you want to talk about. You know, submit us some questions, ask us questions, tag, give us a quick mail us a fucking question if you want to, and we'll answer it. And it'd probably be the best answer you ever heard to any question you've ever asked. So you're missing out. If you don't take advantage of this wonderful opportunity, uh, anything else you want to cover before we go T? Nope. Hey, Guys, if you could DM us uh, on our Sleep Hawk uh, Instagram page, DM us anything you want to talk about. We also have a Twitter account. I don't think I've checked it. Sleep probably hasn't checked it. <laughs> but if there's an active guy and we get on Twitter, uh, you know, hit us up there. Let us know what you want to talk about. If you want us to break down the games, if you want to touch on the subject, uh, love to hear you guys' thoughts. Thanks for tuning in. You guys have a great week. Uh, we'll be back to uh, figure out. We'll be back to break down the Ben and what the hell is his name again? Noah. I keep wanting to say Elliot. Yeah, we'll be back next week to break down the drama uh, and give give the people what they need. And of course, we're gonna have a bag full of questions to answer. I know based on the the plug we just gave. Check y'all later. Peace.